Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Merry Christmas. And Glenn Leverance. That's how I know. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Thursday, January 5th, 2023. Good morning and welcome to a special edition of Morning Air as we continue to honor the life and legacy of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, whose funeral in St. Peter's Square concluded just a short while ago and was heard here on Relevant Radio. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance and our producer, Gabby Burke. It's a joy and a privilege to be with you here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This morning, Pope Francis became the first pope in modern history to preside as pope at the funeral of his predecessor. As uh, many of you may have heard, if you were up in the middle of the night, uh, to hear this beautiful uh, requiem funeral on Relevant Radio. And since the live mass took place very, very early in the morning for most of us here across the United States and North America, Relevant Radio will also present a rebroadcast of the funeral mass today at 12 p.m. noon central. Again, 12 p.m. noon central today. You'll be able to hear this beautiful, beautiful mass. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll have more on the life and the funeral of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI in just a few minutes with J.D. Flynn, the editor-in-chief of The Pillar. He'll be live from Rome in hour number two. Our Rome correspondent, Ashley Narona, will join us with yet more perspective from the funeral of Pope Emeritus. Benedict XVI. Want to bring in our morning air a news anchor, Glenn Leverance. Uh, Glenn, the eyes of the world were on Vatican City for this historic papal funeral, uh, something that uh, you and I and uh, just nobody has really seen in, in our lifetime. No, uh, with one pope presiding over the uh, the funeral of another, we've we've not seen that. Uh, you know, n- no simple affairs either at the Vatican, <laughs> despite the uh, wishes of, of Pope Benedict as well. But uh, a beautiful and solemn affair there. And we talk about having priests con celebrate thirty seven hundred priests uh, at the mass. My goodness. Uh, it evoked uh, memories uh, for this reporter of, of the funeral of, of Pope St. John Paul II. Obviously not uh, as grand. Uh, it didn't have all the splendor of that funeral that was watched by around 3 million people. But nevertheless, uh, for the 60,000 or so plus that were on hand in St. Peter's Square, it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful, uh, very uh, moving uh, a requiem mass uh, celebrated uh, by uh, Pope Francis. And, uh, you know, what, what really struck me, uh, Glenn, was, uh, and I got a chance to actually watch it. I was up early, so I saw, I just missed a little bit of the beginning, but I was listening on Relevant Radio, actually watching it also on, on, on the uh, Relevant Radio website, uh, uh, live from Rome, uh, to see uh, the simple cypress wooden coffin 
in which um, the late Holy Father Pope Benedict, uh, uh, his human remains uh, were in, with Pope Francis uh, incensing uh, that that wooden coffin uh, at the very end of the ceremony um, with holy water and commending his spirit. Um, in fact, uh, his... Uh, words, that final farewell was extremely, extremely uh, moving. And again, uh, we're blessed to be able to bring you news of this, uh, the replay, again, uh, starting at noon central today on Relevant Radio as well. But uh, I uh, would not up as early as you to see that, John, but uh, quite a sight. Yeah, you know, I thought to myself, I, hey, I've stayed up late to see uh, sporting events and covered uh, big time, you know, game sevens and stayed up really, really late. It was a little bit of a sacrifice, but I did get up in time to to watch uh, the, the majority and ex- definitely listen to the uh, live broadcast on Relevant Radio. I believe we do have uh, some audio of uh, the Holy Father, Pope Francis's final farewell. Dear brothers and sisters, in celebrating the sacred mysteries, we have opened our minds and hearts to joy-filled hope. With confidence, we now offer our final farewell to Pope Emeritus Benedict and commend him to God, our merciful and loving Father. May the God of our fathers, through Jesus Christ, his only Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life, deliver Pope Emeritus Benedict from death, that he may sing God's praises in the heavenly Jerusalem in expectation of the resurrection of his mortal body on the last day. May the Blessed Virgin Mary, Queen of the Apostles, and Salus Populi Romani, intercede before the Eternal Father, that he may reveal the face of Jesus, his Son, to Pope Emeritus Benedict, and console the Church on her pilgrimage through history as she awaits the Lord's return. Glenn, uh, your thoughts on the words of the Holy Father? Well, it's just uh, it, it's times like this when we uh, really look to the leader of the church to be the leader of people, uh, leading us through mourning, leading us through uh, a bit of a change, perhaps. Uh, some have speculated or not, even though uh, Pope Benedict had been around uh, since uh, 05, uh, that uh, you know things might change after he had stepped down. But uh, Pope Francis has clearly been in charge ever since, so I'm not sure that's the most accurate uh, expectation of, of things, but uh, handled beautifully. Today is a historic day uh, for our church. It's also your birthday. Happy birthday, uh, my friend. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. God bless you, Glenn. And what a, what a way uh, to, to, to celebrate uh, the life of uh, our great, beloved, late Holy Father, uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Uh, Glenn, we'll be uh, checking in with you uh, throughout the, the morning, for, of course, for, for much more. Sounds good, John. We begin every morning, uh, always in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, as we continue to pray for the repose of the soul of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, 
pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. And of course, uh, we continue uh, to pray for the repose of the soul of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Now, the eyes of the world were on Vatican City earlier this morning to say our final goodbye to Pope Benedict XVI, one of the world's foremost theologians, the first pope to retire in almost 600 years, who passed away on New Year's Eve on the vigil of the Feast of Mary, Mother of God. Uh, As you know, earlier this morning, Pope Francis presided over the funeral of his predecessor, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI in St. Peter's Square. Joining us live from Rome is J.D. Flynn, the editor-in-chief and the co-founder of The Pillar, who uh, has had the the privilege of attending the funeral mass of Pope Benedict XVI. Good morning, J.D. Thank you so much for joining us from Rome. It's, uh, It's great to be with you on this very historic day. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, J.D., can you uh, describe for us uh, the atmosphere, what it was like, uh, the mood there in uh, St. Peter's Square for for this Requiem Mass for uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI? Well, I think for a lot of people, it was a very emotional goodbye. You know, of course, it was a very cold, uh, foggy morning in Rome, and um, uh, pilgrims were streaming into St. Peter's Square anyhow, even as the uh, rosary was recited before the Mass, and even as the Mass began, pilgrims were still attending. There were um, uh, more than a thousand priests and celebrants and hundreds of bishops who were there along with about 50,000 Catholics. And, you know, I, I spoke with people after the mass, so many of whom told me the same kind of thing, which was that Benedict had felt like a father to them or that he had been influential in their faith, both because of his uh, prolific intellectual work, his theological work, but also because of what, what they described as his pastoral presence and his humility and meekness. And, uh, and so certainly I think for the people who, who had gone to the funeral and had the opportunity to be there, it was um, an emotional goodbye to someone who, um, who, who shaped and led the church so well and then was, a, I think, a witness of um, uh, humility and, um, and, uh, and the, the call to a contemplative life with God and preparing for death in, in his retirement. So it was, a, it was a beautiful morning, to be sure. It was um, it was emotional, no doubt. You, you could see the emotions on the, the people's faces. I was watching, obviously, on, on television uh, here through our uh, uh, video uh, broadcast on Relevant Radio, and uh, you, you could see people with uh, flags from different countries of the world. Uh, you really got a sense of the universality of our Catholic uh, Church. Yeah, that's right. I, I talked with Catholics um in the past couple of days, I've talked with Catholics from just about every continent, um, uh, from all around the world, who had come to pay their respects to Benedict. From I, I've spoken with Catholics from uh, Korea, from Hong Kong, from uh, various countries in Africa, South America, Latin America, and of course across Europe. Um, many of whom had come, and so um, you, you did see that. I, I spoke today too, as well with um, priests from different um, from the Eastern Catholic churches uh, who had come to can celebrate the Mass, who said that. They felt that the Pope had been, uh, the late Pope had been very close to their their Eastern Catholic churches and very supportive of their identity as Eastern Catholics. And so I think there was this sense from a lot of people, a kind of kinship to Benedict XVI. But the people I spoke with after the Mass today were the Bavarians, who really, you know, people from southern Germany, from Benedict's own homeland, who who claim him as their native son and who, who champion him as a native saint. And uh, for them, this was a, a big celebration. In fact, I think I saw some Bavarians 
um, cracking up some, cracking open some Bavarian beers after the funeral and toasting the late Pope and singing some of their, their national hymns and Marian hymns. And so it was a celebration, I think, of the universality, but, but also the particularity of Benedict as a person, as a, as a man, as a leader of the church. Your thoughts uh, on uh, the words uh, of the Holy Father, his homily, uh, it just, uh, just uh, an, an unusual situation, obviously, uh, with Pope Francis um, bearing uh, his uh, predecessor, uh, Pope Benedict. Yeah, it is an unusual situation to have a um, to have a, a sitting pope um, offer the funeral mass or be present at the funeral mass for uh, for a pope who has died. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, I think the last time was in the 1700s because of the exile of, uh, of of one of the popes during the French Revolution, and so it's a pretty unusual situation. You know, I I think Pope Francis um, in his Wednesday audience yesterday made a point to really say that. Benedict XVI was a master of catechesis and someone who he had looked to in the past. He's talked about um, counting on the presence of Benedict XVI and as, as a sort of counselor in his own uh, time in the Petrine office. And so Francis has, I think, made, made it a point to say that Benedict has been someone who has been important to him and influential to him. Uh, you know, in the homily today, he, he didn't preach very much about the life of of Benedict XVI. He talked more about the gospel, about um, uh, about our hope in the resurrection. And in a certain way, I think that's appropriate. You know, we, do, we don't generally sort of eulogize people in the context of homilies. But at the end, he did recognize again that Benedict was a person who had been influential for him and for the whole church and, and someone who was certainly close to the Lord. Yeah, this this was obviously uh, different uh, than uh, the funeral of Pope John Paul II. Um, mm-hmm. uh, can you talk a little bit about a few of the differences that we saw between uh, this funeral mass and the one of JP two? One of the differences was the crowd. You know, they, there are estimates that as many as a million people came to Rome to mourn John Paul II, and of course there have been there there were about. Um, uh, there were several hundred thousand people who who passed through the uh, the St. Peter's Basilica for the past couple of days to pay their respect to Benedict XVI as he, he he lay in state. But by some estimates, there were maybe fifty thousand or sixty thousand Catholics at the funeral, which is a much smaller crowd. I think the, the weather might have had something to do with it, but also you know the the reality that Benedict has been sort of out of the public eye for the last ten years was was um, was uh, I think much beloved by many Catholics, but but not. Um, the kind of global icon that John Paul II was, and the, and then the fact that this wasn't a state funeral, so that means that um, offices in Rome weren't closed, and and in fact, even today is a, a work day for the for the uh, employees and officials of, of of the Roman Curia, the Vatican City. They were allowed to go to the funeral, but it, it wasn't as if everything was closed, and so just this was a much simpler affair, which the the Holy See has said was what Benedict had wanted and what he'd asked for. Your impressions of uh, that simple cypress uh, wooden coffin uh, sitting there for everyone to see in St. Peter's Square. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I think it was a beautiful reminder for all of us, um, of, of course, of our own mortality and um, not only our coming judgment, but our hope um, in the Lord's resurrection and in the reality of, of, of what matters in the long run. I thought it was a, it was a beautiful symbol in simplicity. I was also struck um, at, at the same time, you know, I, I mentioned that there were thousands of priests and celebrants, and they were um, right in the front of the uh, right in the front of the the square there, um, and then so many people there. But I was struck by the fact that right in front of the casket of John Paul, the uh, excuse me, of Benedict the Sixteenth, was um, seating for people with disabilities. So there were a number of people who were um, in wheelchairs and other mobility assistance devices, and people with intellectual disabilities who had been invited to come and sit just very, very close, um, closer than any other Catholics who were at the funeral. To the casket of, of Benedict the Sixteenth, I thought that was a beautiful 
witness to the dignity of the human person, which of course was such an important um, part of Benedict's own theological reflection and, and, and ethical vision. We're joined this morning uh, live uh, from uh, the Eternal City by J.D. Flynn, the editor-in-chief and co-founder of The Pillar. Uh, J.D., as a Catholic journalist, uh, what did uh, Pope Benedict XVI mean for you? Well, you know, the the, uh, the late Holy Father was, I think, for so many people, such an influential intellectual voice, someone who spoke so clearly and compellingly and beautifully about the faith, um, someone who had who, who had Christ at the center of everything that he said. And so I hope that my, I, I mean, I really hope, I pray that my vision of the world um, and, and the church and the meaning of the gospel has been influenced by Benedict's and that i you know, God might give me the grace to see the world as he did. Um, and as a journalist, of course, we want to sort of see see the place of the church in the life of the world, which Benedict did. Uh, the, the other thing, though, is as, as a leader of the church, you know, Benedict ushered in a new era in, in the history of the life of the church. His resignation was the first resignation in more than 600 years. And um, and we don't know kind of what that will mean. But, but uh, you know, pontificates are getting longer. Popes are getting older. And, um, and Benedict has sort of given one model for how the church might respond to that by the prospect of papal resignations and a different sort of view on the papacy. And we may see that sort of continue. So it'll be interesting to see what his impact is, both as an intellectual, I think we'll be reading him for hundreds of years, but also as someone who had the sort of humility to step down from the papacy to see whether that forms a template for, uh, for popes in the future to consider as well. One of the things that, uh, that touched my heart uh, was uh, the reported last words of, uh, of Pope Benedict, uh, Lord Jesus, I love you, uh, which in many ways yeah, is right. the answer uh, to the question uh, that Jesus the Lord asked uh, the first Pope, St. Peter, uh, do you love me? And I think he answered it with a resounding, Jesus, I love you. Yeah, that's right. It was a beautiful, it was a, it was a, it was a beautiful thing, and I think perhaps a life in which that love had a, had a centrality and a visible centrality for those of us in the church who, who, uh, who, who saw and got to know Benedict the Sixteenth. Uh, JD, you you have covered and written so much uh, about uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, uh, this great theologian, one of the greatest theologians of the twentieth century, great teacher, the professor Pope one who spoke with such great uh, clarity. When you look back uh, at his life, uh, what, what impressed you the most? Well, those things, I mean, that intellectual life, that, that his impact on the Second Vatican Council, uh, his willingness to take a, to take a, a sort of theological um, approach that was new and novel, but also to be faithful to the church. But I, I don't want to uh, understate also his role at the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith and his governance of the church as Pope. You know, Benedict, um, really helped to usher and really pushed, I think, in a lot of ways and took risks to do so, really pushed the church to, to address um, the clerical sexual abuse crisis, was, was the person who really sort of engineered the way the church would address that uh, canonically, and I think did so to, to, to catalyze a lot of good things which have happened since. At the same time, really began to address the financial uh, scandals and the need for financial reform in the Roman Curia. And so as a, as a practical matter, as a, as a person of governance, Benedict, I think, was willing to, to take on the sort of tackle, the make make headway on issues that hadn't been addressed as well as they needed to be, even if he didn't sort of see those things um, to the finish, even if he handed on the baton in a certain way in his resignation. I think he cut through a lot of ice to begin processes which needed to begin. And that courage, I think, is is embodied again in his theological approach and um, and in, in so much of, of, uh, of what he wrote about as well. 
J.D., how do you think that history will remember Pope Benedict XVI? As an extraordinary theologian, I, I, talked, I asked people this question in St. Peter's Square today, and so many people said that they expect that history will remember Benedict XVI as a doctor of the church. Um, his Jesus of Nazareth series, uh, his book, his really compelling book, Introduction to Christianity, his encyclicals, Deus Caritas S, Spes Salvi, and then Lumen Fidei, which was, of course, published um, by Pope Francis shortly after his resignation, those texts will stand the test of time. And they are, I think, really the key for understanding um, the meaning of the Second Vatican Council and understanding how the Second Vatican Council is calling us as Catholics to live the universal call to holiness. So Benedict, I think, will be understood and remembered as both a progenitor of the Council and also um, a, a really important interpreter of it as the Church engages with um, with modernity, both sort of philosophically and theologically, but also pastorally. Um, he'll be a central figure in, in that for a very long time to come. There's a a, a groundswelling for uh, Pope Benedict to be a doctor of the Church. I, I couldn't help but notice uh, some signs that said Santo Subito, uh, as similar to what That's we right. saw with uh, Pope John Paul II at his funeral. That's right, and Catholics were chanting it. Catholics were chanting at the Mass, Santo Subito, Santo Subito. And, uh, and, uh, and so I asked some people afterwards, and they said, yeah, they, for them, Benedict is already a saint, and they hope that the Church will declare it, but they... They said they have confidence in their faith that Benedict is a saint. Now, Benedict, like any of us, is not above uh, criticism, and there are things in his gov- the governance of his, the church that are worth asking questions about and all of those things. But at the same time, I think for so many Catholics, they look at a life in which a person just um, gave himself to become a disciple of Jesus Christ and to invite other people to do so. And so that chan- those chants, I think, were organic and really quite cool to witness. J.D., uh, as someone who was there uh, live and in person on the ground and witnessed this historic day, your, your final thoughts? Uh, well, you know, it was just a gift, I think, to be there. I mean, my fingers are still warming up. It was pretty cold, but it was a gift. It was a, it was a gift to be there. It was a privilege to be there. But it was the, really what Benedict taught that I think is a good reminder for us is what unifies us in the church is not being at these big church events, but the Eucharistic uh, sacrifice in the middle of them. So all of us are united to Benedict XVI and to the whole church, um, you know, uh, in purgatory and in heaven and, and here on earth through the Mass. And so the most powerful thing that happened today at the funeral was was the, the sacrifice of the Mass and the offering of the Eucharist. And we're blessed because we most of us have that available every single day of the year. And I think that's what Benedict XVI would want to remind us if, if he had been there uh, as uh, along with us. J.D., uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, live from Rome. Really appreciate uh, your on-the-ground uh, witness and uh, your uh, perspective. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm grateful. God bless you. J.D. Flynn, the editor-in-chief and co-founder of The Pillar. We need to take a short break. When we come back, Bishop Edward Scharvenberger, the bishop of the Diocese of Albany, New York, will join us to continue uh, discussing this morning the life and legacy of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. So stay with us as this special edition of Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. These were the final words spoken by the Lord on the cross. His last breath, as it were, which summed up what, he, what had been his entire life, a ceaseless 
self-entrustment into the hands of his father. Hands of forgiveness and compassion, healing and mercy. Hands that anointed and blessed, which led him also to entrust himself into the hands of his brothers and sisters. And God's faithful people gathered here now accompanies and entrusts to him the life of the one who was their pastor. Like the women at the tomb, we too have come with the fragrance of gratitude and the balm of hope in order to show him once more the love that is undying. And those were some of the words of Pope Francis's homily at uh, today's uh, funeral mass for Pope Benedict. Welcome back to this special edition of Morning Air as we continue to honor the life of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This morning we are continuing to reflect on the life of Joseph Ratzinger who would become Pope Benedict XVI as our own Glenn Leverance reports. The 265th leader of the Catholic Church was born the 16th of April, 1927, in Markt in Germany. His father, a police officer, came from a traditional family of farmers from Lower Bavaria. He spent his adolescent years in Traunstein, a small town on the Austrian border. It was in this context that Joseph Ratzinger received his Christian, human, and cultural formation. His faith and family upbringing prepared him for the harsh experience of the problems connected with the Nazi regime. He remembers seeing his parish priest being beaten by Nazis before celebrating Mass and was well aware of the fiercely hostile atmosphere to Catholics existing in Germany at the time. He studied philosophy and theology at the University of Munich from 1946 to 1951 and at the higher school in Friesing. Joseph Ratzinger was ordained a priest the 29th of June 1951 at the cathedral at Friesing. In 1953, Father Ratzinger obtained a doctorate in theology. From 1962 to 1965, he was present during all four sessions of the Second Vatican Council as a chief theological advisor to the Archbishop of Cologne. Father Ratzinger's important and useful experience as a priest and an expert at the Second Vatican Council was immensely valuable and fundamental to his life. He lived out this experience as confirmation of his own vocation, which he defined as theological. In 1977, Pope Paul VI appointed him Archbishop of Munich in Friesing. He chose as his episcopal motto, fellow worker in the truth. He was created and proclaimed cardinal by Pope Paul VI in the consistory of June 1977. In 1981, he was appointed by Pope John Paul II as prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. He also became president of the Biblical Commission and Pontifical International Theological Commission. He spent six years of intense work from 1986 to 1992 in his role as president of the Commission for Drafting the Catechism of the Catholic Church. On November 30th of 2002, the Holy Father approved his election by order of Cardinal Bishops as Dean of the College of Cardinals. As Dean of the College of Cardinals, he presided over the College's deliberations during the vacancy of the Holy See following the death of Pope John Paul II on April 2nd, 2005. Friday of that week, the 8th of April, Cardinal Ratzinger presided at Holy Mass in St. Peter's Square for the funeral of Pope John Paul II. On Tuesday, April 19th, Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger was elected the 265th Pontiff of the Roman Catholic Church, taking the name of Benedict XVI. Abemus Papam. Qui sibi 
nomen imposuit benedicti decimi sexti. His first words as Pope. Cari fratelli e sorelle, Dear brothers and sisters, after the great Pope John Paul II, the cardinals have chosen me, a simple and humble worker in the Lord's vineyard. As we mourn the loss of a great leader in the church, we look back as Relevant Radio covered Pope Benedict's 2008 visit to the United States. It is God who saves us. He saves the world and all of history. He is the shepherd of his people. I am coming, sent by Jesus Christ, to bring you his word of life. And his words so poignant for today, asking us to remember him. The time has come for me to bid farewell to your country. These days that I have spent in the United States have been blessed with many memorable experiences of American hospitality. And I wish to express my deep appreciation to all of you for your kind welcome. It has been a joy for me to witness the faith and devotion of the Catholic community here. For all the people of America, and indeed throughout the world, I pray that the future will bring increased fraternity and solidarity, our growth in mutual respect, and renewed trust and confidence in God, our Heavenly Father. With these words, I take my leave. I ask you to remember me in your prayers, and I assure you of my affection and friendship in the Lord. May God bless America. As he made history and resigned his position as Pope, Benedict XVI gave a final blessing to the Cardinals. Pater et filius et spiritus sanctus. What a moving uh, tribute to uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. As uh, we continue to remember uh, Pope Benedict's uh, legacy, uh, we also want to offer him our thanks and uh, our heartfelt prayers as we say goodbye to him uh, today uh, on this day of his funeral as heard here on Relevant Radio. Quick reminder, uh, the uh, Requiem Mass will be rebroadcast a little bit later this morning at 12 noon Central Time here on Relevant Radio. Joining us live for much more perspective is Bishop Edward Scharfenberger to discuss some of the different aspects of Pope Benedict XVI's personality as well as his lasting legacy. Bishop Scharfenberger is the Bishop of the Diocese of Albany, New York, and a regular contributor to Morning Air. Your Excellency, uh, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a blessing to be with you once again on this very historic day. Good morning, and uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, to share some time uh, with you and all of our listeners uh, on this momentous day that uh, we're all uh, aware of this, uh, brought us an opportunity to thank God for the blessing of the life of Joseph Ratzinger, and uh, not only his his uh, his ministry as, as Pope, his service to the Church, his uh, kind and humble service to the Church as, uh, as the Holy Father, but uh, for his entire life and the example that he gave us and the encouragement he brings us. You know, uh, Pope uh, Francis was once uh, asked, uh, as at many times he held conferences with reporters, and they used to ask him about, uh, uh, you know, how is, how is uh, uh, Pope Benedict doing? And Pope Francis would say, well, I visit him fairly frequently, and every time I come away, 
uh, I come away feeling edified that uh, he lifts me up. And then they asked him, what is it about him that uh, you most uh, most would, would characterize uh, him and your friendship with him? And he says, because he's a holy man. There is no question about that he was a holy man. I, you know, again, and, and I've thought about this for the last few days, and once again this morning during the funeral, I just couldn't help but think of uh, those uh, reported final words of Pope Benedict before uh, he left this world, uh, saying, uh, Lord Jesus, I love you. Uh, and, and in many ways, uh, that is the response uh, to the question that our Lord Jesus Christ asked uh, the first Holy Father, uh, St. Peter, uh, Peter, do you love me? And, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, uh, Pope Benedict, uh, with his uh, life and his deeds, uh, and his final words showed his uh, love of our Lord Jesus. That's so so true, and uh, it's uh, as, you, as you mentioned it, 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 it puts it in perspective because remember those words that uh, uh, Saint Peter spoke uh, to Jesus were in response to Jesus's own question that Jesus was asking Peter that question: Do you love me? It was important to Jesus to receive Peter's love. And uh, while as important as it is for us to know that God loves us, and God does, uh, to remember that uh, Jesus uh, seeks our friendship uh, and uh, seeks our love in return, uh, it it matters. It matters to the Lord. And uh, uh, Pope Pope Benedict, uh, even though much is being said historically about his life and his accomplishments and his brilliance as a theologian and his his kindness as a human being, that uh, uh, the center of his life, and if there is a legacy, I would say that that he wants us to uh, to remember him by, is uh, his friendship with Jesus Christ. And as you said so well, uh, his last words, Lord Jesus, I love you, uh, and uh, how he... Uh, continue to make Jesus the center of his life, his friendship with Jesus as the sine qua non of the uh, Christian life, and fostering that friendship being the whole purpose uh, of the Church itself. Your Excellency, this has been a very emotional uh, morning for uh, for so many Catholics around the world, especially the ones that were on hand mm-hmm. in St. Peter's Square this earlier this morning. Uh, for this reporter, I had the blessing uh, and the privilege of uh, of actually meeting him and receiving the papal blessing along with my wife uh, at a papal audience uh, during our honeymoon back just six weeks after he became the Holy Father in 2005. Oh. And uh, also later that year, got to travel to Cologne, Germany, and cover him, his historic uh, visit uh, to Cologne, uh, to Germany, um, as the Holy Father and World Youth Day with those millions of young people just adoring him. So it's there's so much that we can talk about uh, this this Holy Father. I'd be curious, what, what did he mean for you uh, personally, uh, uh, Pope Benedict XVI? Well, uh, that's, that's a very good question. I remember that shortly uh, after uh, the death of uh, Pope John Paul II, I was in a, a Polish parish. Uh, it might be called a Polish parish, although it was actually multi-ethnic, but the vast majority of the people were in fact Polish. And I recall that on the death of uh, Pope St. John Paul II, you know, there was great, uh, great grieving and, and also uh, a great sense of, uh, of a personal loss, you know, uh, he being the, a Polish pope. 
and uh, being very close to the uh, people of the of the, of the nation of Poland. But I remember not shortly after that receiving a uh, a, a, uh, a letter from a man uh, in, in I don't I forget whether it was in Polish or what language probably English, but he said to me congratulations now on Pope Benedict because like he felt that the fact that he was German I think uh, would 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 warm my heart you know and because uh, I have traumatic background myself and, and much has been made about that uh, you know uh, sometimes even some of the derogatory terms that had been uh, you know kind of pasted on Benedict God's Rottweiler we heard all of those terms that he was somehow rather seen as a an ecclesiastical uh, inquisitor or enforcer you know but I had just the opposite impression uh, as I do, frankly, of Germans, in spite of some of the stereotypes, you know, the Colonel Clinks of the world and, and some of the stern images you sometimes see in the World War II movies, that uh, my, uh, my uh, image of the German people has always been a very kindly one. And maybe that was because of my own grandfather who used to cut my hair. And uh, so when, when Pope uh, Benedict, uh, you know, the German uh, Cardinal became Pope, I, I, my image of him was more of a grandfatherly kind of a person. And, uh, and you know, uh, that was my personal sense of him, uh, his kindness, his warmth, his, um, his solicitude. And it was sort of borne out, I remember, not too long after he was, uh, uh, became Pope, that I was, had the privilege of attending an audience uh, in the Vatican, in, the, in, the, in the, uh, the, the audience hall that is right next to St. Peter's, as, as you know, if you visit and go to one of those audiences. And I was, I was awestruck by, first of all, by the youthfulness of, of those that were there, uh, attended. And the, the young Italians, uh, and maybe they weren't all, all Italian, they were all uh, saying out, chanting out, Benedetto, Benedetto, which uh, means Benedict, as you know, in Italian. Uh, they, they were greeting him with the uh, incredible warmth. And it was clear that he was making a connection. In fact, uh, even though we know that uh, Pope St. John Paul II always attracted large crowds wherever he went, that from what I understand, uh, the, uh, the audiences uh, that uh, Benedict was attracting were, uh, were actually increasing. So uh, he had a way of uh, maybe it was his, you know, his, his uh, low-key kind of approach, his, his some people call it shyness. You know, I, I see it more gentleness. But uh, he, uh, he definitely uh, attracted children. Well, Your Excellency, uh, he was uh, the humble servant in the vineyard of the Lord, and the young people really loved him. Uh, I saw with my own eyes over 1.2 million young people in Cologne, in Marion Field, uh, just adoring uh, Pope Benedict uh, at that time. There's so much more that we can talk about uh, the late Holy Father. I want to invite our listeners, if, if you ever had a chance to, to meet or to see uh, Pope Benedict in person, if you have a comment or question for Bishop Edward Scharfenberger on the life of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI's life and legacy. Uh, We have open lines. You can give us a call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We're going to take a a short break as we continue our conversation uh, with His Excellency uh, Bishop Edward Scharfenberger. Stay with us. There is much more to come on this special edition of Morning Air. And wine become his body and blood. But it must not stop there. On the contrary, the process 
of transformation must now gather momentum. The body and blood of Christ are given to us so that we ourselves will be transformed in our turn. We are to become the body of Christ, his own flesh and blood. We all eat the one bread, and this means that we ourselves become one. And that, of course, was the voice of uh, Pope Benedict Emeritus, uh, Benedict XVI, uh, in Cologne, Germany, back in 2005 at World Youth Day. Uh, welcome back uh, to this special edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm John Morales. Uh, thanks so much for joining us uh, this morning. As uh, we continue honoring and continue reflecting um, with uh, uh, the Bishop of the Diocese of Albany, New York, uh, His Excellency uh, Bishop Edward Scharfenberger. Um, Excellency, um, there's so much to talk about uh, when we uh, reflect back on the life of, of Pope Benedict. And, uh, and I know that, uh, that you saw some qualities a lot of people so easily forget, you know, his, his patience and his kindness and that discipline. Uh, you even wrote about it recently in your diocesan column. Yes, and uh, I wanted to not so much write an obituary, you know, and, and it's it's good to say good things about people that have passed on and have been good people like Pope Benedict was, but I wanted to convey, you know, the warmth of him as a person and also where it came from. And uh, for all of the uh, wonderful qualities he had, he was an international man, his proficiency in language, his skills as a theologian, you know, for all of those wonderful, wonderful virtues, uh, he never lost focus on the centrality of friendship with Jesus Christ, that there was nothing more important than that he would lead others uh, to experience that friendship. And as you said earlier, John, how uh, Jesus' question uh, to Peter, Simon Peter, do you love me? And uh, and from what we were, we were witnessed uh, to by those that were with him in his last hours, uh, that friendship with Jesus, Jesus, I love you, which was, interestingly enough, were the, were the last words reported to have been said by uh, by uh, St. Therese de Lisieux, you know, who uh, we all admire as a person of great faith and great humility, died very young, of course, but uh, the, that the centrality of, of that friendship with Jesus Christ uh, was the beginning and the end of the Christian life. And uh, as, as Pope Francis said beautifully this morning, you know, uh, you notice that Pope Francis's homily, I think it was reported on relevant radio, uh, and we heard it uh, translated in English, it, it was not a eulogy. It was basically a, 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 a kind of a tribute to the, the beauty and the holiness of the priesthood. And, uh, you know, and he was talking about how the priest's hands are often pierced like the hands of Christ, you know, uh, sometimes even being misunderstood in a desire to get close to, uh, to, uh, to, to the people who, who he loves and serves. And, uh, and sometimes uh, very, very holy people are not always understood in their lifetimes and mischaracterized. And, uh, and yet that never, uh, never, even though sometimes, uh, uh, you know, Pope Emeritus Benedict was was depicted as shy or retiring or reclusive in some way. 
it, it never dampened his spirit. Uh, he just kept going. And as Pope Francis himself said, every time he was with him, uh, he, 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 he was edified. He, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was lifted up. And, uh, and I think that's what happens, at least when I think of, of uh, Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict gives me an incredible amount by his life's example, and I think his prayers, ongoing prayers. You know, who can say? I, I have to tell you, uh, there have been so many times, you know, since I've been bishop, that uh, I know that the grace that I have been blessed with, you know, clearly does not come from anything I've done or deserved. And I often feel uh, that I'm very, very much blessed by the lives of those who pray for me. And I think all, all of us in the, in the priesthood uh, have been blessed by the prayers of Pope, of, 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 uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. I don't know what to call him now. You know, I want to call him saint, but, you know, we don't do that. And, we, you know, we, we, uh, we pray for those that have gone before us, even though we know they're saintly. We don't canonize them. That, that's fine if the Holy See wants to do that. But, uh, but uh, you know, we, we, I always see those that have gone before us marked with the sign of faith as having gone ahead of us. And I pray as we pray for them, uh, as, which is what we do for all of those who die and go before us, that we also continue to pray with them. And, uh, and, and I can't help but think that we do, in fact, have an intercessor in heaven, uh, that even as we pray for him, that uh, he is continuing to bless us with his prayers. Your Excellency, um, there's no question that uh, Pope Emeritus uh, Benedict XVI lived a, a life uh, of prayer, especially in his final years uh, in that monastery. Pope Francis, in fact, uh, spoke of uh, Pope Benedict as a very gentle man uh, who uh, mm -hmm. led that prayerful life, that life of silence. Your final thoughts here in the moments that we have on uh, the life and legacy of uh, Benedict XVI. I guess my, my, my thoughts would be uh, of, of immense gratitude to God for sending us uh, Pope Benedict, Benedict uh, to bless us as he did for the years that he was with us. And, uh, and also uh, uh, the, uh, the prayer that our hearts will continue to be open as his was to accept uh, the friendship of Jesus Christ for each and every one of us, uh, that uh, not only uh, does God want us to tell him, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord Jesus, but that Jesus himself uh, desires uh, for us to know how much he loves us and that he desires our friendship. Uh, and I think that is what uh, Pope Benedict understood and lived so well that uh, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to trust not only God's love for us, not only the love of Jesus for us and all that he does, but also to know how he thirsts for us so much for our hearts as well. Your Excellency uh, Bishop Scharfenberger, thank you so much uh, for being with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your heartfelt uh, insights on the life of Pope Benedict. Thank you, too, John. God bless. God bless you, too. And uh, now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Continuing our series of Christmas stories today, our story today called The Fruitcake by Edith Helena. I was bustling through another Christmas season, grumbling to myself about all I was spending and what a nuisance the malls were. 
Until one evening I came home exhausted, finally finished just a few days before Christmas Day. I retrieved the mail, only to find, amongst the credit card bills and junk mail, a heavy parcel, almost like a cinder block if they made them squishy. With a grim face, I read the return address. It was my sister-in-law, for whom I had just purchased an expensive Vangora sweater that had cost me upwards of $100 of my hard-earned Christmas bonus. That was it for me. I just snapped. Shoving the rest of the mail aside, I grabbed the ponderous package and took it into the kitchen. I turned on the garbage disposal and tore open the package, ready to destroy the fruitcake that I knew was inside. Just above the fruitcake, however, was a piece of paper that read, The humble fruitcake is a dessert that, like the followers of our Savior Jesus Christ, is often despised despite its sweet nature. It is unfortunate, however, that so many feel this way because, in reality, a fruitcake is very similar to any of the human beings on God's green earth. The brown cake is our flesh, which was originally wrought by God's hand from the dust. Though it's sometimes bitter, it's moist and thick, symbolizing the labor and blood of human existence. The nuts are little crunchy bits of sin that exist in all of us, hence, like the fruitcake, we are made with sin inside of us, and only a higher power can take it out of us, provided we, or the fruitcake, let him. The bright fruits represent the joys of life that God gives to uplift us, like flowers, babies, and puppies. The red cherries are especially important because they represent the blood Jesus Christ shed to free us from sin. The entire fruitcake is baked until it has a firm crust, similar to our skin, but possibly more similar to the shield that many place between themselves and God. As we do with the fruitcake, God needs to cut off a slice of us before the meaty insides and beautiful tasty fruits are exposed to him. Some people are baked too long and as a result are impervious to God's love, so their tough skin and blinded minds eventually lead them to eternal suffering in hell. Just as many an overdone fruitcake is subjected to the trash can, garbage disposal, or family dog. So next time you receive a fruitcake, don't cast it aside with scorn. Where would we be if God had done that to us? Instead, enjoy the fruitcake, share it with your friends and family, and remember what it represents, not only ourselves, but the Lord Jesus Christ, whose birth is not only the sole undisputed reason for Christmas, but also the reason that we have fruitcakes today. A tear trickled down my cheek as I finished reading the notes. All this time I'd been rushing through Christmas like it was a chore, and I'd forgotten the real meaning behind it all. The Christmas joy began to bloom in my heart, and as I finished cramming the fruitcake down the disposal and started preparing the sweater to return to the store, I vowed I'd never look at Christmas, or a fruitcake for that matter, in the same way again. From 1 Timothy 4.4, For everything God created is good, nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. And thanks so much, Glenn, and a happy birthday to you, my friend. Now, coming up next hour here on Morning Air, we're going to take a look back at the pontificate of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, and our Rome correspondent, Ashley Norona, will join us live from the Vatican with much more on the funeral of the late Holy Father. Plus, our very own Relevant Radio CEO, Father Rocky, will be with us to discuss the legacy and some of the contributions of Pope Benedict to the world. So stay with us. There's much more to come in the final hour of this special edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. <laughs> 